Speaking of Kyle, what do you think attracted him to work with you guys? Was it the dick pics in the group chat? Like, why did he come <laughs> to you guys over everybody else? And I understand, again, like, wanting to be transparent. I can, I, I respect that as well. But at the yeah. same time, it's just giving the industry a little bit of a bad rep when you kind of see like a CEO who might be like beefing with this CEO CEO, and like people are going back and forth because now it kind of puts it in an unprofessional manner. I think with any strategy, man, like I've said this so many times before, I feel like you could give a trader a strategy that genuinely works 90% of the time and the trader will still blow the account. I mean, listen, man, anyone, and I, we've all talked about this for so long, like yeah. any firm that's trying to think of the uh, of the business in terms of longevity, in terms of like five years plus, they would welcome regulation simply because it would give us a framework to operate in. Why did you guys jump to quickly changing the language on your website when FTMO and some of the other firms did not? What up, traders? Welcome back to The Day Trading Show. My name is Austin Silver. I'm your host. I appreciate you being here with us. Today, I've got a great episode. We've started the new year with some powerful guests, so we're going to keep the ball rolling. We've got Omar in the building for round three. Now, Omar is one of the three main faces at Skilled Funded Traders. If you don't know who they are, they are one of the new evaluation prop firms that have come up in the last couple of years, and they're making waves. So today, we sit down to talk about the back end, the business of running a prop firm and an evaluation firm, and being a trader. Omar's still trading, and he's actively in his community sharing trade ideas. We talk about these crazy scams that go on with people trying to one-up the firms. In certain countries, it's groups of people. It's kind of new to me. I never really knew about this. And I think you guys are going to find it very interesting. We talk about strategy. We mentioned ICT a little bit because he is a little bit of an ICT trader. We talk about the success from some of these guys like Kyle. Some of you know him as a Jade Cap. He's working with skilled funded traders. We talk about Paladin and his success as well. Just how these new guys, these young guys are making massive waves and also massive trading returns. I think you guys are going to love this entire episode. It's just easy to talk to Omar. He's a great guy and I love sitting down with him. So enough out of me. Enjoy the podcast. Make sure you check the links in the description so you can connect. Omar's got a lot of stuff coming on YouTube in 2024 and I don't want you guys to miss any of that. So thank you for being here. Make sure you're subscribed, check those links and enjoy the conversation with Omar. All right, traders, listen up. Before we continue with today's podcast, I have to share with you some important information because a lot of you come to me asking, how can you help me make more money, Austin? What does that process look like? The simple answer is you join the Blackshirt Club, which is our all-inclusive 12-week trading mentorship program, and you work with me every single day. In the Blackshirt Club, we don't just trade together. You get weekly private coaching sessions. You also get a year for free, that's $550 worth of value, to trade Zella, to track your trades, to journal properly. So we actually have some data to make the adjustments from. But really, I think the bigger overarching thing you get in the Blackshirt Club is accountability and feedback from traders with more experience than you. Those two things alone are worth thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. Because think about it, you're learning how to make unlimited income and you're saving yourself tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in potential losses. Remember, when I started trading, I had no mentorship. I lost almost $50,000 in the first two years. If I can save you from losing 50 Gs, how much would you pay me? I want you guys to book a call with me. It's probably flying in up here. The link is in 
the description. Book a call, it's 10 minutes, it's free. If the Black Shirt Club is something that you're interested in, it is a little bit of a time commitment. It's for serious traders, not brand new people, but you get everything included. Like I said, Tradezilla, my course is included. I'll even give you a month free of ASFX TV. So book a call if this interests you. Let's hop on and see if you're a good fit. It's not for everybody. I am definitely selective in who I allow into the club, but if I think I can make an impact on you after that welcome call, we'll get rolling, we'll get the 12 weeks popping, and we'll get you making more money. Link is down below. Like I said, maybe it flew in above my head. Tap it, book the call, and I'll speak with you guys soon. Again, thank you for being a listener of the podcast. Let's get back to the video. What's up, traders? Welcome back to the show. So today, we've got the man, the myth, the SFT legend himself, Mr. New York. We got Omar back in the building for round three, bro. Making me feel old that we're already around on round three. But it's good to have you back, bro. How are you? I'm good, man. How you been? Doing well. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. It's good to sit with you always, bro. I appreciate your insight and I appreciate you giving us the time. So let's jump right in. I know everybody's probably like, what are they going to talk about? We already did Omar's story. We already did some strategy. So today we're going to talk about the business of trading, the reality of running a business, and then also being a trader because they are two separate things. And we were speaking about that a little bit before we started the recording. So let me hit you with the first question. What is, because we all know trading is str like stressful. I mean, no matter how good at trading you are, it still is a stressful yeah. career. What's the most stressful part of running a prop firm? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So the, the number one thing when it comes to like the evaluation companies and the firms, um, it's actually like, so we were talking a little bit about, about this off camera, but it's really just the, uh, the risk side of things when it comes to like a bunch of cheaters. Right. So for me personally, obviously we have a whole dedicated risk team for that. So the risk team, obviously they have to allocate resources. They have to allocate time. Um, it obviously comes at a cost, but I think, and if you could ask any firm owner, I think they would all say the same. The most stressful part is honestly like dealing with a lot of the cheaters that goes on a lot of the shady stuff that goes on, you know, because that's the side of things that a lot of people don't see, right? Everyone kind of vilifies the firms, but then they don't see on the back end how many people are trying to gamify this, uh, try to game the system. So I would say that for me personally, because obviously, you know, we have our whole team for that. Um, I think for myself, uh, simply, it's really been, honestly, I think it's been the kind of like dealing with the PR stuff, right? Because I don't, I don't mind like the day-to-day -day operations. I personally, like I enjoy that type of stuff personally. Um, but yeah, it's just like, it's kind of weird, like the PR online, the the different like things people always have to say, whether it's about, again, not even just about SFT, but about other firms as well, you know, because we're obviously all still in the same niche. You know, people always just saying, oh, this is going to happen. This is going to happen, especially in lieu of the MFF situation. Right. So I think just kind of just dealing with like kind of people always just talking um, and honestly, like a, a little bit of nonsense as well, because like it's funny because like a lot of people speak about things that they have absolutely no clue about. But because they speak about it with such confidence, people think it's the truth. Um, I think just dealing with that. But honestly, I've been online now since what, like last year, going on two years now, like being kind of in the public face. So I'm kind of used to it and I'm getting used to that part as well. But it just kind of sucks, man, because I used to like enjoy interacting on Twitter, but now it's like, I just post, do my thing, obviously to keep growing the, the Twitter account, keep growing the socials. Um, but I think that's kind of been the most difficult part. It's almost a turnoff, and that's a great answer. It's almost a turnoff because, like, you want to be on Twitter. And when you and I first connected, we connected because I loved your tweets. Like, you were just tweeting things that I agree with and that I liked the way you said it. And you would get hundreds of likes and a lot of comments, sometimes hundreds of comments of people also agreeing and then maybe sometimes disagreeing. But I remember, like, it was good conversation. But now I think because, especially the My Forex funds, 
explosion. That's kind of, it, it, it definitely went up a notch, didn't it? Where everybody, like you said, is talking with conviction. Like they know everything about prop firms and how they run. They know everything about the back end. It just exploded then, which made me look at it from the outside. And I'm thinking people that speak with certainty in most things in life are never correct. You know what I mean? The guy that's like, you have to do it this way. This is the only way. This is what's happening. Normally, he's not right. So then it's like all these people acting overconfident, acting like you said, like they know. And then that overconfidence makes it easier for people like the listeners, the readers, makes it easy for them to believe. So it can be very misleading. So now, what is the solution, do you think, for prop firms? Because like, I mean, people want to hear from you. People want to hear from Angelo. People want to hear from Tristan. They want to hear from the guys that are like running the firms and getting into the back end. We don't want to hear that you're not on Twitter as much. So what is the solution? Do you have a PR team at the firm that's kind of helping manage all of that? Or do you just kind of deal with it and just tweet and dip like Joe Rogan says? Yeah, no, honestly, um, that's a good question, right? It's, it depends on how involved like all the CEOs want to be online. Because sure. when you look at some a company like FTML, for example, right? FTML, they're not obviously like the owners, like people can find out who the owner is. Uh, but to say in the same breath, it's more like they're kind of like behind the scenes, similar with right. MFF, right? People knew who the owner was, but they were kind of just like treating it like more professionally. Right. I think uh, most CEOs, uh, specifically on Twitter, right? Because obviously it's a kind of like there's that niche of the firms on Twitter. Um, yeah. I think most CEOs probably could benefit a little bit from like not being as transparent because i understand like the the concept behind it but at the same time what it does is it opens that individual up to a lot of like you know uh critiques and i understand again like wanting to be transparent i can i, I respect that as well but at the yeah. same time it's just giving the industry a little bit of a bad rep when you kind of see like a ceo who might be like beefing with this ceo ceo and like people are going back and forth because now it kind of puts it in an unprofessional manner it's yep. funny because at the beginning i'm thinking with when we were launching obviously sft i'm like thinking okay one of the big benefits is having the ceos at the forefront right because back then um it wasn't at, like most ceos weren't really present right it was just the company and the ceos weren't really on twitter but i think um I think we kind of started that movement where it was like, all right, now in order for us to kind of like build up and compete, and we talked about this on Riz's podcast, you know, where we wanted to be at the forefront of like our firm, right? We weren't trying to just kind of be on the backside and just like promote something and like not try and take ownership, but we want to put our faces to it as well because, you know, people can hold us accountable. And I think since then, there was like a been a surge of like props, uh, the firm CEOs all kind of coming out. And yep. like, of course, like that's good for the, for business as well. But I think a lot of them just lack that professionalism because yeah. And it's not throwing the shit. You gotta be tasteful. Yeah, yeah, you gotta be tasteful. Like, data anyone at all, but it's no, just no, no, it's not. It's putting it's in a, great, a bad light. Yeah. It's a great answer. And I mean, look right now, I don't know if you saw this week on Twitter, and this episode's coming out, like I said, at the beginning of the year, but right now, Candace Owens and Ben Shapiro are beefing on Twitter when Candace Owens works for Ben's company, The Daily Wire, and everybody on the outside that's reading it is commenting saying, we don't want to hear this. Like you're work, you both work together. Keep this off Twitter. Exactly. And it, and it reminded me, bro, I was on the plane the other day going to see my mom. I flew up to, to Jersey. And this guy and me are having this whole conversation. He's an attorney. We're just talking the whole time. He was a big dude, bro. So he's rubbing up on me. And like, of course, if we're touching arms, we're going to talk. You know what I'm saying? Like he could, yeah. he was so big, bro. He couldn't even move over and try to give me space. Like when he leaned over, we were still touching. It was like that. <laughs> but it, it made me laugh at the end of it because he asked me, he's like, are you on Twitter? Are you on Instagram? And I told him how many followers I have. And his face like lit up. He was like, 
what? I'm sitting here talking to this guy with 50K followers. To him, he thinks it's a big deal. But then when I looked at him, I'm thinking, bro, this guy can make millions, tens of millions of dollars a year. He's got nobody on Twitter. So there's like two universes existing, right? Where you have people and business and they're not even on Twitter. And then you have the people that are like more on Twitter almost than they are doing real business. And then like you said, this gray area of overlap where you're kind of not you're being transparent, but you're almost telling me too much TMI, like just go yeah. run the business and keep that off. So let's talk about the scammers and, and the cheaters. Cause I think people don't understand this fully. I don't understand it fully. I know we've seen some of these prop firms ban countries completely. And I see some of the firms are saying, Hey, if you're already trading with us, you can stay, but we're not accepting new clients. I've seen some firms that just cut people off completely. So can you educate us on like Again, I don't want you to tell what the scam is or whatever, because then we're going to encourage potentially more people. But just give us an idea on like how you guys are handling that and what that looks like for you. I'm sure it's very frustrating. Yeah, no. So, um, well, honestly, like it's it, they're going to typically go after like uh, bigger firms, right? So, like the bigger firms are going to go after. Obviously, they still go after like you know the, the mid tier firms as well. Um, but yeah, like that's that's the part that a lot of people don't see where there's a lot of like trying to game the system, right? Because at yeah. the end of the day. Like the the evaluation challenges, they're essentially the the whole the whole model is essentially kind of like a gamified version um, of trading. So like there's just, yeah, and there's just multiple ways that people like try to game it, whether it's through arbitrage, whether it's through reverse trading. Um, and the big thing, like when when you reference like the specific countries, right? Like a lot of like specific countries, not to name any country specifically, but some of them will like kind of like have these organized like pass your challenges or like they get a group of like different people to try and to like you know do specific uh strategies to try and like you know pass evaluations get payouts and things of that nature and then like obviously from the risk side of things you know we have to kind of like not just us but obviously every firm they have to obviously try to catch that they have to right. try to deal with that situation as well because you know it's 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 just detrimental to the business when you have a bunch of people who are coming in um and again with like the firms like most firms um, who are doing things the right way they want to ultimately try and monetize the data that's you know the flow that's coming in and being able to monetize the data what does that do right yeah first of all it adds obviously a another source of income it also sure. obviously adds you know more revenue to the business not only that but then the data itself can be potentially monetized in different facets whether you sell it uh, just trying to create some sort of like strategies around uh the data sets now when you have obviously those cheaters and stuff like that it kind of there's just bad flow of data where that data is kind of useless and right. i think that's something that um I th uh, some firm owners like Matt, for example, like from my funded effects, he's referenced before on Twitter as well. Um, where, yeah, like that just, it's just bad flow. It's just bad data. Not only that, but again, they're gaming the system. So they're not, they're just cheating the system. And it's like, again, it's part of the rule sets and the FAQs for most firms that, you know, arbitrage is not allowed. Reverse trading right. is not allowed. These different type of strategies. Do bots fit into this conversation? Like no, like hedging bots or anything like that? Or is that kind of separate? No, so yeah, any type of uh, well, you can. Well, it depends. Some firms that you're allowed to hedge uh, okay. positions, but again, it, the problem is like with certain countries, they'll have multiple people. You know, pretty much like maybe like multiple people. Let's just, yeah, I don't want to get into like the exact strategies because then it gives people ideas. It kind of sounds like like an organized like it's a bunch it's, of dudes that, that that's, together. That's literally what it is. It's just an wow. organized group that they come together and they just essentially just try to like you know are throughout like different firms. So would it not be easier thing. to just learn how to trade? That's what I thought, right? That's what I'm thinking. Bro. <laughs> right. So is this, 
could we compare it if like, cause we have some listeners I'm sure who are maybe even still new to the prop firm cause they're living under a rock or they're just getting to trading for the first time. Could we compare what you're talking about to like counting cards at a casino where it's like, look, we're not going to tell you, you can't go to another casino. You're not going to tell somebody you can't go to another firm, but you just can't trade here anymore. You're done. Is it kind of no. similar? No. So like, I would consider that like, so some firms, like if someone, let's just say is like a little bit, they're making like too much money or whatever. Right. Or like they view it more as like a full punt. Right. Where obviously the, the risk reward makes sense. Like if think about it, if you're buying a $500, if you're buying a hundred thousand dollar evaluation uh, challenge, right. Yep. To get a hundred K a virtual uh, account. What happens is obviously you're paying $500 for 10,000 worth, $10,000 worth of like virtual drawdown. Yep. So the risk reward from that sense, because you could fail five challenges, no problem. Let's just say that's 2,500 bucks. But if I'm risking, let's just say 2.5% of the virtual account, once you get to that funded stage, right? What happens now is, you know, let's just say you hit a three R move, right? With $2,500 risk. Yeah. You just made seven, uh, so like $7,000 or 7,500. Yeah. You're yep. in the green. Yeah. Now you're in the green that you can just kind of full punt. So yep. like, that like people like because i've seen some firms where they kick out those types of traders that they're not really interested in longevity they're just trying to punt the account and some firms will whether they reduce whether they kick them out entirely or whether they reduce their draw their, their margin significantly mm -hmm. right i would consider that the same scenario as counting Got cards but okay. i would consider the other ways like if you have if i'm if i go to the casino and i have like a pair of aces under my under my sweater you know under my sleeve and you just slide that out yeah right? because Do you remember that's the movie 21 bro where they were sitting at the table giving each other hand signals like come play here and they were doing shit like that so that's kind of what we're talking yeah, about where you're exactly, trying to really fuck cheating. the casino yes exactly. where like counting cards is kind of like a skill that can give exactly. you a little bit of an edge got it exactly. got it all right good glad we cleared that up how many hours a day are you working now bro between your trading and all of this like what's a day look like for you because i'm sure it's changed since we spoke last yeah i mean i try to i try to keep everything done pretty much by the afternoon like i don't want to be the guy who's kind of working afternoons unless it's like a must um i am taking a little bit more responsibilities in specific parts of the business now so it might change a little bit but for the most part because i'm still obviously trading like trading is like kind of like comes first so i'll trade new york open um luckily for us uh, here in the East Coast, it's essentially like, you know, 9 a.m. I'm pretty much done by like 11 a.m. Eastern time when it comes to trading. Yep. And now I've even simplified it to the point where I'm just looking for a specific time window of where I'm looking for setups. Like that New York open volume yep. coming in at 8 to 9 a.m. That's the, the hour window I'm looking for a trade. So it's like I could just show up to the charts 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock, um, look for that exact specific setup. If it's there, perfect. If it's not, I'm not going to take a trade for the day. And then, yeah, because now I'm kind of trying to optimize, like I'm trying to optimize my trading around like my life versus adjusting my life to my trading I because, yeah, because too many people, I think they get so, they're so locked in and focused on like trading. It kind of affects their life. But now I'm just like, Hey, my, obviously my life comes first, obviously now with like SFT um, as a major, major priority, you know, that's going to obviously take a lot more bandwidth. And I just want to optimize my trading where it's like, Hey, I can just look at the charts for two hours a day, three hours max, if I really like have an extended session. And yeah. And you know, Andrew Huberman? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He even says it like the human mind can truly focus at a task um, in a high, at a high level. Obviously, you, people can focus more than this. But at a high level is like the average going to be like about 90 minutes, an hour and a half. That's it. Yep. So, yeah. So imagine staring at the charts for two, three hours, like you're going to be destroyed. And well, your you decision making session. Right. You're, you make shitty decisions by the end of it.
Yeah, exactly. I'm a big fan of Huberman. You see him yeah. the other day with the video with the yeah. shirt off, bro. He's tatted yeah. and jacked, bro. <laughs> yes. And I feel like people don't know that. But then if you watch all of his content, you can see like this guy is yeah. practicing what he preaches. I love his stuff. Yeah. But I'm big on that too, bro. Because I mean, when you're trying to juggle all these things, if you sat there and traded for five hours, how good of a partner are you going to be when you get on with Paladin and, and, and Riz and you start to talk? How often are you guys meeting? Are you guys doing daily? Because it's hard. I mean, he's in the UK. Paladin is down here, I think in Miami now, right now. So like, you're all over the place. You're not like in an office together all the time. So what do you guys do to keep the team together? Yeah. I mean, we have a group chat, obviously just us three. Um, Where you send each other dick pics every morning and all that stuff. (laughs) 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 Oh man, this guy awesome. (laughs) But nah, but like, yeah, like we're, it's very easy. Cause now, like, I think nowadays most businesses, right. Are run online. They have like team members that are all over the world world. At least we're all similar time zones. Obviously, Riz is a little bit like you know ahead, but yeah, yeah. I mean, we have weekly meetings um, at specific times during the week. Obviously, we have um, we have meeting with obviously like the our support te- our support team, our back end team, as well, um, and we have a group chat. So like we're pretty much talking in our group chat every single day, all the time. Yeah, yeah so it's I not, feel like it's that's not- hard. It, it's the hardest part for me about everything that I do as well, bro. Like just not being in the office with people because I thrive off of like other people's energy. Like I make jokes like the one I just made to you. Like I like to fuck around, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But when you're not with people, I feel like, yeah, we can make jokes in a group chat, but it's not the same as if you and Paladin throw something at him across the room. Like, you know what I mean? And like get yeah. into it like that. That's there's, it's hard to replicate that. That's why I asked the question, but are you, uh, are you planning in 2024 to go over to see Riz? Is Riz planning to come here? Do we have anything we can share about that? Any big meetups or anything planned on the calendar yet? Real quick traders, before we continue with today's podcast, I wanna take a second to talk to you about our newest service, what people are calling the Netflix for traders. It's called ASFX TV. If you haven't heard about ASFX TV, this is a live streaming platform where you can watch me and our team of funded full-time traders all week long. We run live trading rooms in the New York and the London session every single day. So it doesn't matter where you are, from your phone or from your laptop or your desktop, you can tune in and see the live streams, follow along and take trades with us, ask us questions, submit your trades for feedback. Basically anything you need, you're getting direct access to me and our team on ASFX TV. We dropped the price this year to $10 per month. I know it's crazy. Less than a dollar per day and you can make money trading with us. Hopefully on the first trade, you're going to cover your entire year's worth of membership just from being on the platform. So I've got a link probably flying in above me. It's definitely down in the description for a three-day free trial. Come check it out. You can watch some of the recordings from our previous streams. We get all of them stored for you in a content library that you get access to. So check out the link. Come check us out on ASFX. TV. If you're really taking your trading serious and you want to make more money this year, this is the way I can help you do it. So links are down below. Let's get back to the podcast. Yeah, we're most likely going to try to do like a Miami event or something in Florida. Um, Good. Because obviously like with SFT, like the whole branding behind it is we really want to kind of obviously do a lot of events and kind of meet a lot of traders because, you know, everyone's saying, oh, we're for the traders, right? But then it's like when you see how many of these firms have been around for like, let's just say a very long time, one year, two years, but they're not really giving back to their traders, right? No. They're just saying certain things, but then like when it comes to action, they're not meeting their traders. They're not, you know, trying to hold, host nice events. Um, and for us, like some people are like, oh, well, who cares about that? But it's like, listen, most people, and we understand this, most tr- people are going to have a tough time with trading. At the very least, having opportunities, whether it's to network, whether it's to, you know, just have a, have a day of fun where it kind of just, you know, you you're, you have that mental reset, you know, that goes a long way. So like, and also, when I feel like when you're around other people, like some people might look at, like, let's say a Kyle, because I always use him as an example, right? 
we might look at him as like, oh my God, this guy is like this crazy trader and all this stuff. And like, he's very talented, of course. But at the same time, like, I feel like when you're around these individuals that are doing great things, you realize like, wow, this is just like a regular person. They just put the time in. They're very disciplined in their approach. They stick to their process. And when you kind of see that firsthand, what happens is now it makes it feel more achievable because you're like, wow, I just spoke with Kyle. I spoke with Paladin. These guys are like, you know, super legit. They're, they're very, um, you know, it's, they're just very relatable. And then when you're very authentic, you, very real. Yeah. And then now that little, that might have that mental shift of like, you know what? I oh, can I can do it too. Yeah, exactly. And we exactly. know the mind is very, very strong. So just having that belief system change, we don't like 100%. the whole thing, these events being accessible to like, you know, um, all the traders and stuff like that is something that's very big for us. Speaking of Kyle, that's a great answer. Speaking of Kyle, what do you think attracted him to work with you guys? Was it the dick pics in the group chat? Like, why did he come <laughs> to you guys over everybody else? Uh, you know what it, it is? And like, we'll share this because like by the time it comes out in January, we'll probably still be working on it. But like, because big, the biggest thing is like, we actually want to create like a trading floor, um, an in-house trading floor. I'm going to probably do it in uh, Florida. So we're like, that's like one of the plans for Q1 of next year. Love that. Um, yeah, it won't be out by the time this episode is out, but it's fine because that's something we were talking about a little bit on Twitter. Yeah. And obviously, Kyle has that same vision because he wants to approach trading from a professional standpoint. And that's how we're kind of trying to position the brand as well from, you know, being as a professional standpoint where it's well, not... Well, I mean, you're looking at what Umar just did, right? With Blackline. Ash, yeah, Umar Asha, shout out to him. Like him and Trey yeah. Zella, like, you know, like that's exactly what the whole point of it is right he's we're, incredible bro isn't he yeah he's like he's yeah. my age right he's 28 he's very yeah, he's, our, yeah, he's our age it's crazy bro, bro. it's crazy he's he's unbelievable <laughs> i'm so grateful because like i like he he and i have the relationship where we're doing sponsorship for the podcast with tradezella he'll just text me randomly like hey bro how you doing you good and in my head i'm like this dude does not need to just text me and just check in. He's got 80 other things and he's in Dubai. You know what I'm saying? Like the time zones are almost, but he still cares. I saw what he did with, uh, he got Riz the watch. Like yeah, the Rolex. He, he's, he's a guy that I think people like you and me can emulate, you know, forget the age. It's like experience. Like, and he's a guy who is transparent. He's honest. He's always shared. He shared his big wins. He shares his big losses. So I love him. I love what he does with the, the trading floor coming to Florida. I definitely want to come visit. I definitely want to come in and, and yeah, spend some time welcome. when you guys yeah, have it definitely. set up. Yeah. Cause you know, I'm in Tampa, so I'm not far from yeah. Miami at all. But Miami, I, I saw Ken Griffin, the guy that runs Citadel. He said that Miami is going to become a new financial hub. So I think yeah. you guys making that move to Miami is a is a great, great idea. Would that yeah. be a floor? Are you planning it to be all SFT traders or just kind of like anyone that wants to rent a desk? Can, can, I'm just curious. Yeah, so we're still debating on that because obviously like if we can, we know if we do like kind of like the Sanglucci model, we'll be able yep. to sell out. I was just going to mention that. Yeah, and it would, it would kind of like, you know, pay for, pay for itself. And obviously like- itself. Yeah, and pro most likely have a profit. Um, yeah. And even if not, as long as well, it, it depends on how much your rent is in Miami. It might be ridiculously expensive. Yeah, yeah. So it really depends on the numbers. But like, regardless, um, the goal I think like it's it's really like it's, again we're still like debating on this. But one thing that we're kind of leaning towards is like you know what, where we kind of have it open up for like SFT uh, traders. So if they want to come in and stuff, you know, that yeah. way we could do it. And we could also do like the plan is to have half of it like a trading floor. And then the other half more like a content studio. That's or like smart, right? Do some podcasts. Offices. Yeah, you got to have that. Yeah, you got to yeah. have that. So it's just, again, just to have like a way to be accessible to the community, to specific people, you know, just have that relationship with our traders where they can come in, they can trade the New York session, right? But again, whether or not, um, because the, the thing is, you would think that like, you know, obviously with charging, the because the thing is, if it's just like a free pass, right? Then it's like, how many people would just come? 
and then lot. you kind of have to, yeah it would be very difficult to kind of like maintain that so no, you got to pay freaking out. i think you but you know i lucci and i have a good relationship and i looked at trying to get office space here in saint pete they i was actually looking in the building where kathy wood has her office kathy yeah. woods for arc 800 square feet with nothing in it you want to guess how much 800 square feet only that's it like what 5000 a month 15,000 a month, bro. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that nuts? 800 square foot office? 800 square feet. That's all it was. And it was like, you could have done two of them, but that's 30 Gs a month. How many desks do I have to sell and fill for 30 Gs a month? And that's it. Like, that's the prime, bro. Cause that's the most expensive real estate around. I could have done it cheaper in another building, but I was like, let me just go see what the most expensive one is. I got a tour of it. I went, I was like, wow, this is why Lucci does it in Puerto Rico. Cause for yeah. 15 Gs in Puerto Rico, you own the whole building. You get 30 floors. You know what <laughs> right, I'm saying? Exactly. Literally. We had a guy in the Dominican that I was coaching named Rafa. Rafa was talking to Lucci about doing one in uh, DR, in the DR, maybe in Punta Cana, somewhere, somewhere in the okay. DR. Bro, he got it was a whole floor. It was like four thousand square feet, forty five hundred square feet, eight thousand dollars. That's it. I was like half the price, and it's four times the size. So yeah, I'm excited to see you guys get that app, that get that thing going together. Because I think what I've learned, at least, even from doing this podcast, bro, like my trading this year improved as the interviews that I did were with more serious traders like Brian Shannon and Anthony Crudelli. Some of the, those are the two guys, Tom Basso, these guys that are they're way old, bro, they're double our age yeah. and they've been trading way longer. When I talk to them, even on a podcast, I learn from them and I use what they yeah. tell me in my trade. Imagine being in an office with guys like that. Imagine what you can do. It's just such a better environment for traders than being on their own. You know what I mean? Because how many times have you, even me, bro, we've been trading, we make money in the morning, but we're bored. So we sit here and we trade more in the afternoon <laughs> to give it back. You know more what I'm saying? More times than I can count. Yeah. <laughs> more times. Than, but instead, if you look at Lucci, what does he do, bro? In the afternoon, they go and play beach tennis. They're beach playing tennis. paddle ball on the, you know what I mean? As an office, as a team, the whole trade space team goes and does that. And I think that's what our industry needs more of. We need less Twitter beef, more in-person networking and leveling each other up together, you know? So that's, I think that's a great idea. Let's talk about your trading for a second too. I know we've definitely talked about your strategy. Everybody sees you tweet a lot. You have your public group where you share a lot of ideas. So people can really dive in if they want to get more trade ideas from you. But how has trading been for you this year? Because I see even Kyle tweeted recently. And again, we're filming this in November, end of November. He tweeted, he's going through some a little bit more of a drawdown period. And he tweeted, he's like, Hey, don't think just because I have my ups, I don't have my downs. So how has it been for you? And have you had any periods you've had to work through? Has it been difficult? Has it been great? Catch us up on that. Yeah. I mean, so far trading this year has been pretty solid. I'll say this though. Like there, I took a lot more time off of trading this year compared to last year. Um, simply just because obviously like with the SFT, we were launching in June. So like yeah. that whole ordeal was coming in. Yeah. Um, yeah. And obviously some stuff that had to be worked on. So obviously like the focus has to be shifted. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think, yeah, but this year so far has been pretty solid. Uh, I do plan next year, though, because I really want to, because now obviously the SFT is a little bit more like, um, don't, I don't want to say automated, but now that there's more like systems in place and things are kind of like flowing, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, next year, like, it's kind of like the year where I really want to try and push for like that seven figures. And again, I don't, I don't want to put that number out there because obviously you don't want to set specific expectations, but you know, and again- to Still want to have room, goals. Yeah, exactly. And I think- yeah. The ultimate goal for me next year is try to get to that at the very least, you know, that, that high end, like, you know, high end six figures to like pretty much reaching to that seven figure mark in terms of just like a, an annual thing. Bro, and I have no yeah. doubt you're going to do it. You better move your ass to Florida before you have to pay taxes up in New Jersey and New York on that <laughs> shit, bro, for real. I told Kyle the same thing when I met him yeah, in New York. Yeah. For, he, I was like, you better, too. 
Yeah. yeah, I'm like, you better bring your ass down here because how like I'm not paying the tax to these people, this stupid government. You know, that's a different podcast. Different yeah. <laughs> are you are you thinking about moving down? Do you think you'll make the move or at least part time? No, definitely part time because obviously yeah. with the trade floor and you got to because like, that's that's my number one thing. When we were in Dubai, right for the SFT event, yep. um, it was like I had like my biggest, well, not my biggest month this year, but I had like one of my best months in terms of execution. Because you're surrounded by great traders. Exactly. And and the thing is, too, like when we took a lot, I remember there was one event, there was a funny story. We were at like a showing in Dubai and we were all like in the same Euro short. And like I look over and I see Paladin check his phone and he's smiling. So I'm thinking, oh, wow, this is probably in profit. And then I check my phone and you just see like the biggest green candle <laughs> hitting all of our stop losses. And everyone's checking their phones. And like it's just like, it was just that moment where we're all looking at each other, knowing like, oh, damn, we're all just got stopped out, you know. But like, see, like that, it wasn't annoying getting stopped out. I was going to say, it probably makes it easier because you're all in it together in a way. Yeah. And obviously, we're not always in the trades together. Like, no, everyone has their own bias. But yeah. even, in, even in a scenario where if I have a conflicting bias with someone else, you know, when we share specific ideas, like it's there's, I don't know, just being around people like that, you know, are like solid traders as well. It's just, it, there's just a different type of feeling. And that's why right, like, the, we, we want to emulate the SMB model, which is like, you know, these guys obviously have professionals. They have like, they talk about it all the time with uh, Mike and with um, now Lance. So they talk about it all the time where they just, they're that team environment, that team trading environment just helps so many people get to that next level. And I think does. that's what, that's why one of my goals for next year, obviously in terms of PL with trading, it's going to come down to, Hey, listen, what do I need to do? Because I know the skill set I have is there, right? I'm calling trades like for free all the time on Twitter, Telegram. Yep. I have people messaging me about like, you know, just a skill set. So I know it's there. But now how do I translate that to get to take that next level? Because that's the that's the difficulty in trying to transition from, you know, making X amount per month to taking it to that to that next level. There's like a barrier. What's the answer? What is it? Is it account size, do you think? Uh, no, not well. Yeah, obviously, account size is one thing, but like you could get like a bunch of like the you could use the valuation companies and the firms. You could get a bunch of them, and then you know that you could solve it that way. Obviously, I would I could fund a bigger account with Oanda if I have to. Sure. I also think the biggest thing is honestly, it's just like sizing up. The problem with sizing up is when you take those. It's not taking one loss that I've noticed. It's taking consecutive losses. Right, because you so, dig into a, such a deep hole, it's hard to mentally get out of it. Sometimes. Yeah. Even though when you like people say, oh, just look at it from a percentage standpoint, right? Just fund the account more. But it's like, dude, I'm looking at the monetary amount. Like if I lose five figures, you know, over the course of two, three trades, because I'm putting on, let's just say $5,000 risk per Still trade. Still hurts, bro. Because then you're thinking 15K, like, man, I could have paid X amount of months of rent. Right. I could have right. done this. And that is the difficult part because I can handle specific monetary losses. But I think once you start to really size up in trading and the monetary amount that you're risking, the more you relate it to real life, it's just so difficult. And I spoke about it with Angelo from TFT, where when he used to, he's not, he doesn't trade anymore, but when he used to trade, that was his biggest psychological hurdle. Like, damn, I just lost $2,000. I just could have, I could have paid rent this month. When you start to attach the monetary amount of how much you've lost to what you can do in the real life, that to me is like the, that's the, the biggest struggle that I have when it comes to trying to size up even more to the point where it's like, you know, because in order to make obviously six uh, to make seven figures a year, you need to do about like 80, 88,000 per month to right. get to that point. You can't be risking a thousand bucks, two thousand bucks. You're going to have to put put on 10K per trade risk, you know, and for me to do that, it would honestly have to come down to like being able to mentally handle 
not one loss, but like if I have two, three losses in a row, which obviously in training is very, very possible. Right, right. Do you get unlimited challenges with with SFT? No, no, we we can't trade with SFT. Yeah, no, no. Oh, really? So you guys don't trade with SFT at all? No, yeah, we can't because as the owners, yeah. First of all, it's a conflict of interest, you know. Um, and even like some of the contracts we have, yeah, we're just yeah, we can't. I didn't know that. Got yeah. it. Okay, cool. So, so I'll tell you this: any firm yeah. owner who's trading with their own firm is a major, Damn. major red flag. There are oh, ways shit, around right. it. So you okay. can, depending on how the business is structured, because again, every firm is going to be different. I don't know the ins and out, but yeah. the way that it's structured, there's like typically a trading entity to the evaluation company that's completely separate, where okay. you can then, let's just say you could use whether you want to um, use your own money or you're using some of the money from that's coming in from like as revenue that you could essentially trade. So like, it's, it's like a whole, like, so you can trade through SFT. Like I could theoretically trade through SFT and this is something that we're experimenting and we're obviously having our legal team, just making sure that we're doing everything correctly. Sure. Uh, but like, you know, but it would actually be real funds. It wouldn't be like the evaluation accounts. It would actually be like actual funds. Right. That's, you know, that's, yeah, that's the Interesting. Okay. Didn't know that. I bet you a lot of people listening didn't know that either. So that's good to know. Cause I think it does make sense. It would be a conflict of interest. Uh, but one more thing, one more question on the trading stuff. I know you're, you don't really go around calling yourself like an ICT trader, right? Am I, it's not like it's something I hear you really use that language. Yeah. I give him his you credit know, though. I give, I yeah, give ICT of course. the credit. Yeah. Cause he was one of my, and I know, and he gave Paladin a shout out once. I saw Paladin reposted it. Like he knows who you guys are. No shit. Like for sure. He's now gone off of social for a couple of months. And then he says he's coming back. Do you think that, because the dude has like half a million subscribers, if not more than that on YouTube. No, you almost think, a million, bro. Oh, there you go. So almost a million now. Yeah. So like, can his strategies become crowded and then not work? As someone who trades it, what do you think about that? No, because I think I think with any strategy, man, like he, I've said this so many times before, I feel like you could give a trader a strategy that genuinely works 90% of the time and the trader will still blow the account because you that have to true. remember it's it's really not it's really not the skill set. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's definitely like a lot of unskilled traders, right? Yeah. But at the same time, I also think that out of the majority that take it seriously that are actually skilled, I do think that a lot of them don't make money either. Why is that, right? Cuz like some people they trade discretionary, there's some people trade mechanical, but they're like absolute beasts and savages. I've seen people who can call the markets consistently on a daily basis like it's gonna go from point a to point b even tom dante right who's had many stories about that when he used to work in the typical brick and mortar prop shop as well but what is the disconnect the disconnect is like is the risk management is over leveraging or putting on too much size it's you know revenge trading those are the things that mess up the pnl the psychological it's not yeah. the technical strategy yeah and it's so crazy because i see i hear people on twitter um, talk about oh yeah psychology like psych psychological issues isn't the issue it's having a true edge but and I, I agree to that to an extent right because I know Mike right. Bellafuri and SMB they also share that same sentiment but I would argue it's 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 like it's not one or the other you know yeah. like someone can have a statistical edge because think about it from this perspective then why how come um, like specific firms like Trillium or SMB Capital that have proprietary trading strategies. How come everyone that walks through their doors isn't profitable if it's just based off edge and they have like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe now they have like certain quants that can help code specific parts of your strategies or at the very least alert you to your strategy um, or to your play. They have whole playbooks. They have psychology coaches. Like you cannot tell me that these guys who will have like a very reputable firm who have proprietary trading strategies, who have systems, who have 
playbooks that they offer their traders that it's all just uh, like, oh yeah, like it's just a farce, right? Like right. they're providing all the best type of information for these guys. And guys will still mess it up. And resources and people still don't make it, you know? So yep. this idea and fallacy, it's just, it's just crazy that people are saying this. Like, I guess yeah. people just... Like, I understand having your own opinions, but at the same time, I also think some people, they just like to say th certain things 100%. just to kind of be different. But it's like, no, man, it's some people are very skilled, but they just can't handle the performance. You have to perform every single week. And it could break. That's what I was just going to say. When my dad passed in June or July, I didn't trade July, August, September, end of September. I got back into it. October, I had a good month. I knew my focus wouldn't be there. Some yeah. people don't have the self-awareness at that point. I've already made the mistake before when I've had other things that distract the focus, and I know I wouldn't trade well. I think a lot of people succumb to things like that where they normally they can trade fairly well, but then life or whatever gets in the way, yeah. and it deters them from the path. The way that I – tell me your thoughts on this. I position it to guys like you need the technicals. You need to understand a strategy, ICT, ASFX, whatever. You need a strategy. You need to read a chart with a repeatable process. You have a clear process. You have rules. You have language. I call it like slang vocabulary to read yeah. the chart. You need that. Then yeah. these psychological things that we're talking over trading, focus, mental uh, bandwidth, all these other things, I think that isn't even worth your time. It's fun to talk about and it's cute and it gets you likes on Twitter, but that's not even worth your time until you get something here that this can still be improved and the technical still needs to be tweaked, but it's not even worth talking about psychological issues until you have a rules-based approach. So I think some guys just go right to psychology and think that that's going to solve their problems. And it's not, you need that technical foundation. Do you agree with that or you disagree? No, I a hundred percent agree because okay. that's the thing. It's like, um, I forgot someone, someone talked about this, um, recently, but it's like, you have to go through the process first of learning, and then you worry about the psychological stuff after. To see what's you, wrong with you. Yeah, because you need to have a good understanding of the markets. Because if you don't know what you're doing, then you can't then you can't chalk it up to psychology. Right. Because maybe because someone might psychologically be perfect for trading, but then they just their skill set is not good. So, or they have no skill set. What if they have no rule set? They have no nothing yeah, to do. But the exactly. mental is that right. So yeah, no, we're on the same page with that. When you look at this from the outside now, because I would say you have this outside in perspective of like the Twitter space, it seems to me that it's gotten more negative than positive. Almost. You oh. don't see people really tweeting like, Hey man, this guy, he's, this is great. Thank you for doing this. It's really hard to find people big up in each other. Why do you think it is? Um, that's a good question, man. Honestly, I don't know because like the, when I was on Twitter back, you know what? I think, I think it was always like that, you know, like, cause I used to, I think it was always like that. Um, because even when I was like, I remember when I was, uh, when I was growing my following on Twitter, right? I remember when I launched my academy, like I got so much hate and like people were talking all this smack. And I see it with other people as well. Like they'll build their following, whether it's through free trades, whether it's through uh, payouts, whatever it is, right? Um, and then when they launch something, you just see everyone like kind of slamming them. Bash them. And I don't, so I think it's always been there to be honest, but I don't know. I think it's a little bit more worse now because I think obviously with the, um, especially within the, the, the evaluation company niche, it's just everyone's kind of like ever since the MFF situation, just been They're like cynical, negative. Everyone's yep. just cynical, and I think it's also a bunch of like failed traders or people who are just having a tough time yep. that they just kind of like you know they they use that as an outlet to just like oh yeah, well they were doing like shady stuff, blah blah blah. Like for example, like you know the slipped them to hell. It was yep. actually, I mean, don't get me wrong, it was a very bad phrase, but it was taken out of context. Oh, 100%. Like, yeah, like if you read the court docs, like it's it wasn't meant like, oh, yeah, slip this traders. It was just like, yeah, like 
a frame of reference to be a dramatic slippage. Yes. It's not like we intend. Yeah. And I guess that's where you, like you just said, they, it's the news. It's like the mainstream, it's like CNN. They take one thing that you say, they forget everything else that you said. And they run with that clickbaity headline. That's exactly what everybody's doing. And And like you said earlier. Yeah. And I'll say this before I forget, right? I bet you this, if the, uh, the prop journalist on Twitter just tweeted and I retweeted it where it was like, it's crazy. Like how one good piece of news came out for MFF. And now everyone's like, Oh, they're coming back. Yeah, it's it's so insane to me because like, and I I knew this was going to happen. Like when the the news first initially came out, and obviously like no one knew what was going to happen with MFF. But I'm like, dude, at the very least, like if if things start to kind of clear up and let's just say better news, because like there was like stuff that we were hearing behind the scenes about you know like oh things might actually they actually might have a case or they might you know settle whatever it may be. Again, we don't know; it's all speculation at this point, but. You know, I'm like, all right, I'm going to be very interested to see how Twitter reacts if like b- better news comes out, you know, a few weeks from now, a month from now. And now that, you know, obviously they're still going potentially to trial. Um, obviously, there's the, the case obviously is still pending and obviously still ongoing, but it'll just be very interesting to see like the public sentiment, how like people just shift and they switch. And yeah, it's just very, very interesting because it's like the people that were, and it's crazy, man, because those people that were talking so bad about like the, the, the industry and the, and, the, and the space, but then I used to see them all the time taking challenges. Some of them have their freaking affiliate badges. And I'm just like, guys, you it's, it's like, don't, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I just, it's not good for the industry. It's, it's not. not, it's, it's not. Definitely and, not. And it's just such a hypocritical standpoint as well. I oh my God, cannot, yeah. stand, cannot stand ignorant people. It, no, 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 let me, let me rephrase that. If someone's ignorant, that's fine. Cause we're all ignorant in some sense to, in some sure. topics, Sure. but I can't, I can't stand someone who's ignorant, but speaks with such conviction. That yes. is a big pet peeve of mine. Because you can mislead people. Exactly. And I just, yeah, it's just, and I, I definitely don't like hypocritical people, like hypocritical takes. It's just, yeah, man, I just, and I think Twitter, unfortunately, because there's more virality with tweets versus like you on phrase Instagram. phrase the right way see, and it goes, right. Yeah, like versus on Instagram, you only see like the stuff that you, like the people that you follow. Yep. Yeah, just just a whole negative spew like on the timeline. Unless you mute certain words and, and you have stuff. to. I was gonna say you have to. But you know who we haven't heard from through this whole my forex funds thing? The cool. guy that runs the company. Yeah. Well, I mean it makes sense though. He doesn't want to hundred percent to our earlier point about staying out <laughs> yeah. of it. But but when you really think about it, who's the only person that really should be speaking on this? Yeah, exactly. It should just be the owner and it should you know what it should it should just be like a situation where it's like, hey, let's all just wait to see what happens and then no, but then you have these other guys like you mentioned the prop journalists there's that guy trader and okay or whatever who are all like every day this is what they're doing giving their opinion about an update and it's like if you want to build your following uh basically being the tmz right is that what it's it's called like the the drama report of prop trading that's fine that i mean that's everybody is entitled to do whatever they want but like i said those guys in my opinion would be better off spending their time and money trying to sit down with someone who actually knows what they're talking about. Not, hey, here's a document. I'm going to give you my opinion on this document, and then you should trust me because I get a lot of attention. That's where it spirals, and it can be misleading. I think even if they come back, and I want to know your opinion on this, even if my Forex funds came back, who would trade with them? Like they've already been flagged. They've already been blackballed in a way, redlisted. So it's like, why would you want to trade with them to begin with? Right. Yeah, because the, the risk scenario of them. But I will say, it, this is what's going to be interesting, right? I just obviously hypothetically, right? Because like, sure. just because obviously that piece of news that came out was like pretty positive, but yeah. obviously doesn't doesn't mean anything at this point. No. But hypothetically speaking, if they did come back, it would be kind of interesting to see would people kind of prefer not prefer them, but would people like, hey, you know what? They went through 
trials and tribulations and they came out on the other side, right? You know what? I'm going to go ahead and, uh, you know what? They already kind of went through like the trials. So like, you know what? They, they, they might have that longstanding reputation now or which I think I personally think this is this will be more of the case. Um, they would probably have to rebrand in some so, some 100%. capacity because 100%. what would happen now, yeah, because what would happen now is I think the public perception of all the court docs and like certain things, even though obviously we talk about the slip them to hell phrase, even though it was taken out of context, people will still think like, oh, well, if I go to- Yeah, he was still buying again. Lambos, bro, buying yeah. three houses and stuff. That's not a good look. Yeah. And then- the a CEO. Like, yeah. And some of the, some of the, the phrases that were said behind closed doors and- you know, the way that they spoke that were in the court doc. So I think that it just kind of like possibly ruined the reputation and just the trust. And yep. obviously with trust, it's, it'll, especially with something like the- Can't get it back. Case, it'll be very difficult. So I don't, I think they would probably have to rebrand. Um, But who knows? We'll see what happens. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, bro, you know, I was doing promotion for a firm that got some heat and they yeah. did not choose to rebrand and they chose to stick it out and not even make a comment about the issue because they paid a settlement and they thought it would blow over. Well, they're not even in the top 15 of web traffic anymore. They've basically yeah. fallen off a cliff. And I think like that is not the right approach. Like you said, rebranding, being at the front of it. it I mean, what could save them? Like you said, a rebrand, Marat comes out, makes a video, one video and says, hey, everybody. This is what's happening. I'm stepping away. We're hiring a new team, but our infrastructure, we're going to implement it here at this new firm and we're going to be better. That could save them. They should hire me as PR, me and you, and they can pay <laughs> us for that advice. But that is the only way I really think that. And yeah. if anything, if they come back, I think from, tell me what you guys, I'm sure you, you, in your meeting last week with Angelo and Riz and everybody, you probably talked about this. It's probably not a bad thing if they come back for the industry as a, in whole, because it's it shows that the government has said, okay, we can allow this type of business if it's within this framework, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, I mean, listen, man, anyone, and I, we've all talked about this for so long, like yeah. any firm that's trying to think of the, uh, of the business in terms of longevity, in terms of like five years plus, they would welcome regulation simply because it would give us a framework to operate in where it's yeah. like, hey, we need specific licenses. If we need specific uh, regulatory compliance. We'll go get it. We'll pay we'll for go it. Get it. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, again, I, I'm i not a lawyer and stuff like that. Right. Uh, but briefly, there was like some sort of like uh, registration that came out of that situation um that like let's just say us-based firms would have to kind of comply with obviously we were kind of like looking into that as well obviously our legal team is going to kind of focus and see um is that something that's plausible or whatever but now the bet the the better the best thing that could happen is like there's some sort of framework and regulatory way that hey if these firms want to operate they have to do these checklists and there was like a i forgot the name of the uh the specific um license or like governing body that would have to register with but again, yeah. these are options that we're looking at because, again, we're not in this business for just a year. We're looking for, like, you know, trying to build something sustainable, especially in an industry that's so new where, hey, we can build something that can be like an FTMO, that can be like in the top five, in the top three of the industry. That's something that we're, we want to make sure that we have everything in terms of uh, framework really very, very solid. So that way sure. we have everything um, functioning at a high level, everything functioning within regulations. And that, that is the benefit of the whole MFS situation where it, go, it does give a little bit more of a clarity on how to operate certain things. Uh, because again, man, like our goal is five, 10 years from now. So it's like, hey, whenever regulations come in, now everyone can kind of build the business accordingly, according yep. to the regulatory uh, compliance. Yeah, makes sense. Do you feel like, well, let me ask it like this, and it might be a tough question, but that's why we're here. 
why did you guys jump to quickly changing the language on your website when FTMO and some of the other firms did not? Yeah. Well, I think it's just ultimately to, again, I can't speak for FTMO because I don't know uh, sure. the in and out for them, but I mean, multiple firms did it. And I think it was because the big thing with MFF allegedly is the language and the, the way that they kind of marketed the product. Because they made you think you were trading real money. Yeah. They were telling you that, oh yeah, it was live funds. They weren't, they really weren't being transparent in that sense. And I think obviously, you know, when it comes to regulatory bodies is to protect the consumer. So just, I guess that was just a way just to kind of reiterate the same stuff, you know, that we've kind of been saying on how, like, you know, like what the business model is. So it's just yeah. a way again, just for, um, uh, it's more, again, just more for like compliances, just like, sure. Hey, listen, we are in no way telling people that they are trading live capital. They are not doing any live trading. And it's just, I guess, to re just to kind of just, again, reiterate that point, even on the website, at any goal, just to make sure that, you know, people understand what they're purchasing. I think that that's why I'm very bullish on you guys, not just because you're young and you're smart and I like you guys, but I think you guys are always trying to still put the consumer first, even before this whole thing. It's it's your brand gives off that vibe. Peter Brandt, who's in the Market Wizards book and everything, he yeah. tweeted recently. You saw he retweeted the Imperfect Traders tweet, the Imperfect Trader, that guy he posted about all his oh, failed yeah, challenges. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then Peter Brandt retweeted it yesterday and said, these funding company things are the biggest scam in trading industry right now. And when I read his tweet, I was like, you know, I really like him. Like, I, I think Peter has helped me with a couple of concepts that I still use and I love them. But that was almost like, okay, Boomer, you don't really understand what's going on. You know what I'm saying? Like the way that you're explaining it, this is a new business model. It's almost like it, it's almost like it needs a new name, not prop trading. It needs something else like funded trading. Virtual funded trading is really what it is. You know, it needs to not be called prop trading. Do you agree? Yeah, no, that's why we like even throughout this interview, I, I'm kind of referring it to as like an evaluation firm. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, because again, it's not the traditional; it's a completely different product. That's what totally I think different product, totally different company, in. totally different market, totally different everything. Right. Yeah. And and yeah. to Peter's point, right, I want to address that as well, right, because people, um, people have their obviously most some people have their opinions when it comes to the firms. I would argue this though. I feel like fine. So, what is most people's issue with the firms, right? It's most people's issues with like the firms and stuff like that is they're like, they're saying that it's predatory, blah, blah, blah. But like financial markets are predatory in nature. Right. This is and the most competitive I, market in the world. And I would, exactly. And I would argue like, again, obviously it's not the same, but like most brokers that operate under a B book are kind of trading essentially a very similar model in a sense. Obviously it's not the same and there's different, there's, there's very a lot similar, of dependencies, but yeah. And, and that's, that's my thing when people kind of refer to that. When they're kind of like saying they put they they paint the firms in a negative light, but it's like, listen, man, there's people from like let's say India who've gotten five figure payouts, who lives have changed simply because of the opportunity that's given to them. So for every negative comment that people say, and again, no one's forcing anyone. Again, that's I think as long as people are very transparent on the product on what they're buying, right. I think it's very important like to understand. Okay. Sure, everyone's talking about all the negatives, like oh yeah, people are buying challenges, and they're, they're it's it's like a they, that there's a high chance of them not getting to a payout, which again, companies are very transparent about that nowadays. But guess what? The chances of anyone making a deposit with the broker and withdrawing net positive is also pretty much very similar in terms. Very of small, yes, very yeah, small. So it's like guys, so is Owanda a scam, right? And, oh, they're predatory. Exactly. Is TD Ameritrade predatory. 
Exactly. That's my point. Like then you could argue, then I can, you can argue everything in the financial market is predatory. The stock market is predatory, right? right? The future market is predatory. The forex My mouse is predatory. is predatory. My keyboard is predatory because it's making me place the trades. Right. Yeah, exactly. It, it, you it, you, like, you so go down the wrong rabbit hole. Yeah. But we like to focus on kind of like our mission statement where it's like, Hey, as long as people like, again, that's why it's very important for regulation to come in because again, to protect the consumer because you know obviously if someone is deserving of a payout they should get paid out for you know taking their trades for giving us their data essentially um but yeah like i yeah. I, I truly believe that as long as like you know the owners are you know paying out the proper people they're doing things and the right upfront way. and transparent they're upfront transparent about the product they're telling people it's not live capital like i think that is very very important and i think ultimately um, listen, not everyone's going to like the model. That's fine. Not everyone likes the UFC because they think it's violent, but the UFC right. does very well and they're right. a big conglomerate. And at the end of the day, like our focus is like, listen, we're going to be transparent with our community. We're ultimately going to have a situation where we're providing traders and people with opportunities that never have existed. People in third world countries, bro, like who've, who, who again, a $10,000 payout for someone in India. Life-changing. Life-changing. We're like, this is years multiple multiple years decades worth of salaries for some people yep. you know depending on the parts of india they live in or the parts yep. of like africa the dominican bro yeah even the caribbean some of the islands right yeah exactly and that's why it's like such a game-changing product because now we're truly changing like some of these people's lives by providing them not just us but all the firms providing them with an opportunity listen yep. no one is forced to buy anything no one is no. forced to but the reason why do you think uh the firms have gone so big uh recently in terms of like the last two years it's because people understand that in terms of ROI, it's much better versus if you, for someone who doesn't really have capital, it's a much better ROI. No one yep. can argue that with me. Like I no. like there's no there's no argument to be said about someone depositing a five hundred dollar account on Hugo's way versus trying to get a hundred thousand dollar a hundred thousand virtual account. There's right. it's the risk reward in terms of how much you can generate in terms of money. It's just not the same. No one can argue that. It's just there's no and way that someone can argue that. It takes the model of how people have gotten rich in other – like in real estate, I think of specifically using other people's money. Donald Trump and Robert Kiyosaki, OPM, always OPM. I learned that a long time ago, other people's money. That's what this is, right? Whether it's virtual or not, you're leveraging someone else's capital in a way, right? And I think that that's the idea, especially for some of these countries where – I mean, bro, to come up with 10 grand for some people in India would take years and in some of these other countries. No, no disrespect to our Indian listeners, because I know we have. Oh, no, of here. course not. But not at all. But we're just yeah, yeah. it's a great it's yeah. I mean, it's any country, right? Where I mean, only in America does it cost ten thousand dollars a month to have a decent apartment. Every other country, it's still reasonable. You know what I'm saying? Unless you go to Kentucky and neither of us want to go to Kentucky. No, yeah. no offense to Kentucky people. <laughs> so let me ask you just a couple more questions, bro. I, I appreciate this time. I mean, I know the listeners are probably captivated because you're a real guy. I'm a real guy. And I think that's why people like this podcast. Give me some of the uh, the insights into why traders don't see consistent payouts. What do you see on the back end with the data? Don't give me the psychology. Give me something about the data of why traders don't see consistent payouts. What ends up being the reason? Do you know? Um, it's multiple factors because obviously the, the thing is like the like the traders just in general are not as like as good. Um, I think that's a big factor. I think there's like there's an educational gap in terms of being able to trade. Um, and we could see that directly through the support staff based off of the type of questions people ask. Like most people don't understand slippage. Most people don't understand rollover spreads. Spread. Yeah. Most people don't understand a lot of that stuff. So sometimes we get to see it within the support team uh, and some yeah. of the questions that are being asked. That makes sense. Um, I also think a big part of it is like most people are blowing their accounts within two weeks. 
Um, so it's it's very likely that most people are blowing the challenges simply because they're kind of like trying to rush. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those are the two main things I could really think of. That most number one, I honestly think that there's most people in trading are just not they don't have the skill set like yeah. to be completely transparent with everyone. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure like if if brokers talked about it as well, I'm pretty sure they would say the same. Yeah. And yeah, I just think Awanda that- has said that. Awanda has put out like that majority of people that deposit money with them don't see a profit. So yeah. if it's education that people are lacking, what are you guys going to do next year to provide more education? Because I think this is the whole, right? As someone who sells a course and I do mentorship all year round, none of these firms, you guys, Angelo, Matt, nobody's got their own course. Nobody's got their own education yet. Why? What are you waiting for? Yeah, no. So like, so I, I can't speak exactly why I, cause that was one of our goals to, to launch. We're just yeah. waiting on, we're just waiting on certain things to kind of implement that. But sure. in the meantime, cause it's, it's like a, a little project that we're working on that might take like, you know, a few months. Um, yeah. But nonetheless, you know, in the meantime, what we plan on doing, cause obviously like that's, that was the big reason why we kind of had Kyle on, right. It obviously he, he was obviously in the, in the middle of moving to Florida. So obviously he was very busy, but one of the big things is like, you know, we're going to help him in terms of like promotional for promotional stuff for let's say his YouTube, and then he's going to go ahead and create like, um, you know, educational slides. Um, Obviously, we're going to try and host a bunch of webinars going into the new year as well. Maybe even like, you know, in Christmas time as well, like toward the end of December, you know, we're going to try and host a bunch of webinars Um, at the very least, like, you know, one solid webinar between me, Kyle and Paladin that we can all offer insight, right? Offer yeah, different education, you know, also within the dashboard, just try and have like certain like I think I think it's just very important for people to understand the very basic stuff, like the spread. Yeah, the that's what I'm saying. Because, like that's easy to make. You need a good video yeah. and a good right and a good thumbnail, and that's something you guys can yeah. provide. And that's why, like, if you look at the old school prop model, like I worked at T3, and we have SMB and Trillium and all these other firms. They don't accept everybody. Like anybody can buy a challenge with you guys, but because they don't accept anybody, when they do bring somebody in, they educate them. They give them the proprietary information, exactly yeah. what they need to know. And I feel like that's the, that's the hole right now in the industry. Anybody can come out with a new three phase, one phase, this target, that target, blah, blah, blah. No one's coming out with the, a course that says, come here, trade our account, trade our education. It's going to help increase the odds that you can get funded. And then if you could have data that says we have 400 traders, in the last month come through or the last week come through and a hundred of them had already seen the education. And of the 400 that didn't, or of the 300 that didn't get the education, majority failed. But out of the hundred that did already see the education, 20% passed a much higher pass rate by those people. I think that would be a huge selling point too. Yeah. And the thing is this, I honestly think at the end of the day, um, even the people that get the information, right. I feel like they're still going to be, because again, man, like you could learn and you could have the skill set, but then oh, now yeah. you have to still fuck it execution. Yeah. yeah. Like it's crazy. So I think ultimately just have, but, it, but it's like you said, to your point, the whole point is just to offer the resources available and then people will do with it as they would, you know, we offer yep. them specific, um, like obviously like, you know, offer them like, um, some sort of educational package for free on the dashboard, right? right. Offer them all these different, like, you know, webinars that they can attend, you know, hire like an in-house, like um, psychology, uh, psychology yep. Yep. coach. It makes you out. guys look like you care about their success more, which will help in general. I mean, whether it's genuine or not, it still appears to be that you care then about the trader more, which is good. Yeah. I mean, the goal is this, right? Just give the opportunities, give all the tools, give the resources, and then whoever utilizes them will utilize them. Whoever doesn't won't. You'll get paid um, out. Right? And again, at the end, yeah, at the end of the day, it's like, Hey, it's up to the trader at the end of the day. Um, not just with firms, but like in general, like any type of trader, 
it's up to them to bridge that gap between education, between execution, between psychology. They have to bridge the gaps um, in order to, to perform. Because at the end of the day, you could learn all the technicals all you want. You could learn all the psychology concepts. But like if you're not able to implement and you're not able to kind of put that out there, it just it won't make a difference. I like that, bro. Bridging the gap from amateur to funded trader. You know, from that's unskilled really to skilled. From unskilled to skilled. I love it, bro. All right. So where can everybody connect with you, bro? Because I know you're not interacting on Twitter as much. Do we want to still send them to Twitter? Yeah. I'm. Uh, so um, this is going to come out in January. So I do have yeah. like a project that I'm working for on YouTube. So I'm, I want to, because I really want to get like the YouTube like okay. going. Because I know. So we'll link the YouTube down below and the Twitter. We'll yeah, do both. YouTube, Twitter, and then yeah, Instagram. Uh, I'm still like iffy about it, but I think, yeah, I'm just going to focus like my goal for 2023. Uh, I'm sorry, 2024 is going to be try to get the YouTube to at least, you know, around let's just say 60,000 subs i'm at like pretty much like 19k right now but right. i'm gonna you should be at 100k by this time next year 100 yeah. Yeah. yeah but i just got but i know i have to put in like time and actually like no you do high quality into it high quality and you gotta slacking. upload a lot you gotta yeah. make a lot of videos so yeah but we'll support you bro we'll get everybody over to your page we'll get some subscribers over there for you because i appreciate you giving us the time giving us the knowledge i mean you're our, you're our only guest so far that's done three, bro. So you're like the, you're becoming the goat of the podcast here. So I appreciate it. <laughs> appreciate it, man. Oh, always, bro. All right, everybody. We're going to put a pin in it here. I'm sure we're going to need a part four at some point, maybe middle of 2024, end of 20, when, when, when the floor is open, I think that would be great, yeah. bro. Maybe we go and do an in-person. I'll bring my yeah, video about guy. To say in -person that's what we time, should yeah. do. All right. Good, good, good deal. And that, since you'll be down in my neck of the woods, I can be in Miami in 45 minutes, bro. I just hop on a quick flight. So we got to, I'll be out there in January and, and we'll be out there a couple of times next year. So we'll make it happen. But for everybody listening, we appreciate you. Make sure you're subscribed. Links are down below so you can connect with Omar and everything you need there. But brother, I appreciate you. And until the next time, we'll see you guys later. Thanks everybody.